Hello and welcome back to the fundmonitors.com manager insight series. I'm joined today by John Swallow, director at Loreola Advisors. Uh, Loreola run a life settlements fund. Welcome, uh, John. Hi, hi there. John, we've, we've spoken before about life settlements being an alternative to bonds and fixed interest. Um, global markets have been choppy now with inflation in the US having a significant effect. The Fed signaling that they're going to act more aggressively. Um, what effect do you think this has on investor portfolios in general? And what sort of ge- what sort of general message do you, as a life settlements fund, um, have for investors in in equities and, for that matter, bonds? Well, I think everyone is in for a rough ride um, in traditional assets. Um, we've seen a lot of choppy waters, as you say, uh, in equities. Um, Putin isn't helping. But with it, before he came along, there was plenty of uh, concern in terms of pricing and stuff like that. So um, I think, you know, investors who've held traditional assets have had a very good ride. Well, equities anyway, have had a very good ride for a long time. The fixed income market's been rubbish for a long time because uh, the uh, all that QE and zero interest rate policies has meant bonds don't really give you any return. So as Warren Buffett says, it's um, return-free risk that you get from fixed income at the minute. So um, there's just a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of risk out there in those traditional asset class. So um, people with, I mean, looking for somewhere which is not correlated, which is gonna survive, you know, these rocky times and still give you some positive returns is a challenge for investors. And that's what um, a life settlement element in your portfolio can do, because it's not correlated to any of those things. It it returns are derived from mortality, which doesn't change no matter what Putin does or the Fed does or anything else. John, the, the, your Loreola fund in, in Australian dollars returned just over 6% for the 2021 calendar year, um, which is, uh, you know, by um, comparison to a lot of fixed interest funds, um, ha, has done quite well. Um, but that's lower than previous years. Um, do you want to talk about some of the drivers towards that? Because it's not as easy to understand year on year as, uh, and how the returns are derived, is it? You're right. Okay. So um, our, we, we derive our returns from mortality. So we get money back into the fund when people die. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's a profit to the fund, which is um, referenced by the, the, the growth in the, in the NAV. Um, so by, by its nature, of course, that is, uh, the, uh, um, there's a lot of randomness about when people do die. We have no idea when any of our insurers will die. So, uh, you know, God bless them, longer the better. But from our point of view, the, the sooner the better. Um, so um, so in the early years of the fund, the fund's been going for nine years, so it's a well-established fund. In the early years, we could buy policies at ridiculous prices. So it didn't matter how long they lived, really, how much longer than expected, I should say, they lived. We could still make decent money. And if anyone did um, die early or earlier than expected, I should say, uh, it was a huge uh, profit. So that was in sort of 2013, 14. Um, in the last three or four years, the market's changed because mostly because of QE. There's just been a wall of money hitting all asset classes, pushing prices up everywhere. Uh, in, our, in our space, what that means is the, the, the purchase price, which is determined by the discount rate, um, um, which is based on the life expectancy, the the, the discount rate, the purchase, uh, dis- sorry, the purchase IRR has uh, sort of slowly come down 
to around about 12 to 14% gross, which is still pretty good. Um, um, although that's assuming the life expectancy is right, which is another story. So if, if the 12 to 14% gross purchase RR was correct in terms, in other words, the life expectancies were broadly right, then net of fees, um, net of fund costs, the, the investor would expect um, 8 to 9 to 10, 11%, something like that, uh, in his pocket. So, that, but, that, but that does just presuppose that all these mortalities are going to happen on time. Now, if we look at the last couple of years, all of the returns in the fund have been realized. So that is cash back in the fund from mortality. Many life settlement funds um, publish returns based on accounting gains. So they, they buy a policy at $100 and market $120. So they've made an accounting gain. Yay. Um, we don't do that. Um, so we, if we get $150 back when the guy dies, we made a $50 profit. That's what we do. So if you look back at um, the performance over the last couple of years, for example, um, in 2021, we had um, as many policies mature as our underwriters, as our actuaries expected to mature, but they were on av the, the average size of death benefit was lower than the average size in our portfolio. So it didn't really move the dial very much. Well, it gave us 6%, which is, which is all right. Whereas in the year before, we actually had fewer policies mature than the actuaries expected, but they were all above average. So, um, so for example, in, in, in actual money terms, let me just check. Uh, last year, we had uh, 15 million of, of death benefit on a $60 million fund. That's a big turnover, obviously. The year before, we had nearly 20 million. Um, and the average, um, the, the average face value of our policies in the portfolio is 689. Um, in, in the 2020, it was 900,000 average. In 2021, it was 538. So, uh, the year, first year was above, the second year below. So these, there's always a lot of randomness about this stuff. Um, but then the other side of that is that that we, although we had um, the policies that matured last year were all below average size, we have a number of bigger ones in the portfolio, which have over um, um, stayed their expectation, if you like. So we've got some very big policies where the guys are really old and really ill. So we thought we might get a couple of those in 2021. It's much more likely that we'll get them in 2022 because they're still here. Um, but we never know. I mean, they might live till they're 100. You know, you know that happens. But uh, these are guys in the 90s and 80s, late 80s, in very, very poor health. So we we have a um, an expectation. Well, our actuaries actually expect um, that we will have 22 million of maturities this year, which would be a very good year. But that, that's an expert, you know, that's an actuarial projection. That doesn't mean anything. But we have a lot of policies there which um, are very uh, close to maturity. I, I think that in turn sort of brings me to the next question, which is, you know, the portfolio outlook for 2022, um, all things being equal and knowing that nobody lives forever, um, uh, 2022 uh, has the possibility of being a much stronger year, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we say to investors they should expect 8 to 12% net from our fund, um, but you have to have a, a time horizon to see that. So, you know, we have this three-year uh, kind of investment horizon in our fund, minimum three years. So, you know, if you stick with it that long, you'll probably get those um, ups and downs um, 
kind of leveling out a little bit. So, you know, we had a bad, well, bad, 6% is not bad anyway, but uh, we had a better, a lower than expected return last year. Um, this year, we would probably expect a higher, you know, bring us back along the averages of 8 to 12 net. Excellent. Um, John, as always, uh, much appreciative of your time. Um, you're a lot closer to the conflict in um, uh, Russia and the Ukraine than we are here in Australia with you in the UK. So um, hopefully everything stays safe and um, good luck in 2022. Thank you so much. Thank you, David.